Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church here in Spencer, Iowa, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And today, August has arrived, which means there are sweet corn stands being set up everywhere. Back to school shopping is here, and school itself is right around the corner. But for us in the church on this Sunday, the 1st of August, it is the ninth Sunday after Trinity. Now, we are in this part of the Trinity season where our readings from the scripture are focused on living in the Christian faith under the cross, where we decrease and Christ himself increases, where in the church this is seen in Christian faith and love toward each other. And today, our reading is about the S-word that scares so many people. That's right. It's about stewardship. (laughs) Well, here Christ teach the parable of the unrighteous manager or the unrighteous steward, however you want to put it, who is praised for being clever and shrewd with what is under his authority. And we'll also hear what this means for us Christians as we show love to our neighbor with what God gives to us in our possessions, with our mammon, our riches, as Christ puts it in today's reading. With that, we now turn to our matin service and the opening hymn, One Thing's Needful. Beneath it the heart is still fretting 
and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all. Gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. Save me, O God, by thy name, and judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them, for he hath delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eyes hath seen his desire upon mine enemies." Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto my enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. The Old Testament lesson for this ninth Sunday after Trinity is written in the 22nd chapter of the second book of the prophet Samuel, beginning at the 26th verse. With a merciful, 
you will show yourself merciful. With the perfect man, you will show yourself perfect. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. With the crooked, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the afflicted people, but your eyes are on the arrogant, that you may bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord will light up my darkness. For by you I run against a troop. By my God I leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is tested. He is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? Who is a rock besides our God? God is my strong fortress. He makes my way perfect. He makes his feet like Heinz's feet and sets me on my high places. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. The epistle is written in the 10th chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians, beginning at the 6th verse. Brothers, now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Don't be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Let's not commit sexual immorality, as some of them committed. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Let's not test Christ, as some of them tested, and perished by the serpents. Don't grumble, as some of them also grumbled, and perished by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them by way of an example, and they were written for our admonition, on whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands be careful that he doesn't fall. No temptation has taken you except what is common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will, with the temptation, also make the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a manager. An accusation was made to him that this man was wasting his possessions. He called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said within himself, What will I do? seeing that my Lord is taking away the management position from me. I don't have the strength to dig. I am too ashamed to beg. I know what I will do, so that when I am removed from management, they may receive me into their houses. Calling each one of his Lord's debtors to him, he said to the first, How much do you owe to my Lord? He said, A hundred baths of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, and sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? He said, A hundred cores of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill, and write eighty. His Lord commended the dishonest manager because he had done wisely. For the children of this world, in their own generation, are wiser than the children of the light. I tell you. Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when you fail, they may receive you into the eternal tents. He who is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. He who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If, therefore, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that is, the riches beyond what you need, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You are not able to serve God and mammon. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and the life everlasting. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In a quote, Life is a game. Money is how we keep score. So said billionaire Ted Turner, and other billionaires have been known to say something similar, such as the oil tycoon H.L. Hunt, Patriots owner Robert Kraft, and even Donald Trump. No doubt many other billionaires and millionaires have said something similar. Now, for everyone who is known for saying this, the one thing that they all have in common is that they are all, to one degree or another, successful businessmen. People may consider them greedy, or cold-hearted, or even unkind. And perhaps that might be the case for some or most of them. But what made them successful in business, first and foremost, is they had a goal in mind. And that goal was 
make money. Raise the score as high as you can get it. And then they used everything at their disposal to reach that goal. They were smart, crafty, clever, focused, shrewd. And they set out to reach their goal with great zeal, never losing sight of it. And so this is how they played what they considered to be the game. Now, as we hear Christ teach the parable of the unrighteous steward, sometimes called the manager, but probably better said steward, we can be shocked at the end of the story that Christ, through the master in this parable, praises the unrighteous steward. Because this unrighteous steward is the same type of man as all the greedy businessmen of the world. To praise him is like praising the most infamous greedy people alive today. After all, greed is the word that defines this steward. It is his love for riches that leads him to live lavishly and wastefully in his master's possessions, believing that all that is actually his master's is rightfully his own. So he indulges, he overindulges on his master's food and clothes. He probably skims off the top for himself from whatever his master earns. And he even may be using his master's riches and influence to cheat and get back at his own enemies. And I say that he may be getting revenge on his enemies this way because in our story, it says that charges were brought against the unrighteous steward, which sounds, you know, plain enough. But in the Greek, the word used here suggests that not only was the steward accused of wrongdoing, but he was accused by someone who hated him, who wanted to see him fall and suffer. Just as the devil accuses us, so this man was accused by his enemies. Still, the accusations were true, and the master of the house hears of it and takes away the stewardship from the steward. Now, most of us would think that being fired would humble the unrighteous steward and lead him to repent to the master. But just as there is no room for repentance in the cutthroat world of business and making money, so also this steward shows no contrition. Instead, he fears and covets as he begins plotting how he can gain riches for himself afterwards. Now, he's not strong enough to dig, and of course he's too full of pride to beg, just as any billionaire would be if they had lost all their riches. So what does the steward finally plot? What is his plan? To use his final days as steward to make friends with his master's possessions. He hasn't learned he uses the same greed which got him fired for his own survival. So in order to survive, he makes friends. He cuts the amount of all the debtor's loans down by a ton, by as much as 20 or 50%. Now, to understand this, imagine if Wells Fargo Home Mortgage called you and that the employee that called you was about to be fired, and they said that they had typed a few buttons on the computer and reduced your $100,000 home loan down to $50,000. You would gladly be friends and help that person after they were fired. And that is exactly what the steward was banking on. Having forgiven the master's debtors of their loans by large amounts, 
that he would be welcomed to their homes after being fired. Because to them, he'd be a hero, a celebrity. The common people would love him, and his future then would look bright. Now, for such greed, we would expect the master of the house and our Lord to condemn this man without saying anything positive about him. But that doesn't happen. Instead, the parable ends by our Lord saying, The master praised the unrighteous steward for his shrewdness. And then the Lord caps off the entire parable by praising the steward and all the greedy in the world like him by saying, The sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Now what are we to make of all this? Are we to follow the example of this steward in his greed and unrighteousness? Should we walk around full of pride like he did, believing we have earned all that we possessed like he did, while believing others that suffer earned their suffering? Are we to follow the example of greed, waste, overindulgence, coveting, and revenge which this steward showed? Is that how we are to use our possessions? Well, if that's the case, our flesh would love and delight in all of that, just as the unrighteous steward did before he was fired. And there are far too many times where we keep our riches for ourselves, where we cling to our money, overindulge, and waste what we have while others are in need, just as the steward did, because our flesh loves it. But now, before you go and roll around in your money like Scrooge McDuck, Consider how Christ judges the steward. Throughout the parable, he says that he is unrighteous, unjust. That's the judgment on the steward. And at the end of the story, he is still fired. He's excommunicated from his master's house. Notice how the unrighteous steward was dishonest in little, then also dishonest in much. Notice how he could not serve both the master of the house and money. Because he could only serve money. He was kicked out. Likewise, we should all tremble and repent of our greed, overindulgence, wastefulness, and willingness to let others in our lives suffer when we have more than enough and they suffer in want. We should tremble and repent because look what happens to the steward at the end. So no, we are not to follow the entire example of the steward here. Rather, we are to look at the one specific thing about the steward and the sons of this world, which our Lord does praise, his shrewdness, that he knew his goal and his purpose, and used everything at his disposal in his shrewdness and cleverness to get it. So as we consider and contemplate the shrewdness of this unrighteous steward, let us also then consider the shrewdness of the righteous steward, for when mankind fell into the sin of Adam, we had no hope. There was nothing we could do to remove the sin from our hearts, no work we could perform to make ourselves righteous and holy. So what then did the righteous steward do? He humbled himself to be conceived of the Holy Spirit and be born of the Blessed Virgin. He was not full of pride like the unrighteous manager. In his holy life, our Lord did not live as if, he, as if life were a game and riches were the scorecard. No, he remained 
patient with us in our sin. He prayed for us and was diligent in how he lived, not doing anything for himself, but doing everything for us lost sinners. Where he went to the cross to empty himself completely, not to live lavishly, not to overindulge for himself, but to empty himself completely when he was crucified, taking the guilt of our sins and in the, bapti- in the waters of baptism, giving us his righteousness and everything that is his. Our Lord could have stayed in heaven and used all of the majesty of his divinity to strike us down with his wrath, but instead, the Father sent the Son into the world because he loved the world and poured out the wrath we deserved on his Son for our sin and the sin of the world, so that loving us he may, as fully God and fully man, give us everything that is his, including his body and blood here at this altar, so that the resurrection will be ours just as he rose on the third day, so will we one day rise. When we were hopelessly dead, The righteous steward was shrewd in using all that he had and was given by the Father to defeat death with death for us. And now baptized and given absolution and feasting on the Lord's body and blood, our Lord has given you everything you need to live, to have life. Everything else we are blessed with in this life is Well, the Greek word here is not riches, but mammon, that is, unrighteous riches, which we are given beyond measure and beyond what we need to live. Riches or mammon, which our Lord says are, which the Lord says are unrighteous because they are worldly riches, which do not last forever, which cannot give you life. That's why they're unrighteous but which can be used by the flesh, the world, and the devil to tempt you just as the unrighteous steward here was tempted. So, my dear Christian brothers, as Christ emptied himself and gives you all that you need to live, we should ask, what are we to do with the unrighteous riches of this life with which our Lord blesses us and in which we are given in excess? See the example of the unrighteous steward. If you see that, then we will avoid everything about what the steward does except for his shrewdness. So let us then not be greedy. Let us not be prideful in thinking that these possessions are our own. They come to us from above. Let us also not be wasteful, overindulgent, cold-hearted, covetous of what others have. Rather, may we see that all the possessions of which we have been blessed belongs not to us but to the Lord of the church who has given them to us, of whom we serve. And knowing this, let us serve him as righteous stewards in what he puts under our care. Now, how shall we serve the Lord of the church with these temporal worldly blessings? Hear what our Lord says here. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So then, to serve him with the unrighteous riches of this world, we need first to know that these riches will eventually fail. You will die, and you will not be able to take them with you. They will not give you eternal life. Everything we have in this world will fail. 
But secondly, we serve the Lord of the church with these temporal riches by making friends in this life with them. To do this, we don't need a special stewardship program. Simply look at those that the Lord has put in your life. With these blessings, these temporal blessings that the Lord has given us, how can you serve your spouse and children and give them what they need with these possessions? Are your parents in old age? How do you serve them? What about your neighbors, those who live next door to you or that you work with? Are they in need? And do you have an excess in your life of those things that they need that you could help them? What also about the church? God forbid that we should see any in our own congregation in want of the basic needs of life. Rather, may we come together to ensure that in our flock, all have what they need to live. Or does the congregation as a whole have a need so that we can continue to feed the flock here every Sunday and evangelize to the community around us? Whether it be ensuring we have a building in which our Christian brothers can come into or helping others with food, clothing, or other such needs. Let us use these possessions to make friends. For the Lord of the church directs us to serve him in this way, not so that we can just fill bellies right now in this life, but so when the wealth fails, our Lord says, the friends you made with this wealth may receive you into the eternal dwellings, the eternal eternal tabernacles, into the eternal bodies when we're risen from the dead. What Christ is saying here is know the goal and then with zeal, focus, shrewdness, train your bodies into submission, exercise the faith in which you have been justified, live in repentance, and run the race keeping your eyes on the eternal crown and use everything in your possession to get there, not just for yourselves, but in love for your brothers in the church, and to bring the lost into this race into the church. Use everything in your possession to run this race and to help others reach the goal so that none may be be distracted by the loss of this world. So that when this unrighteous wealth fails you, which it will, and you are called home to the Lord of the church, you may be received into eternity with all these friends into the eternal dwellings of our bodies resurrected. Use the wealth, the unrighteous wealth, so that you may decrease and Christ may increase in your life and the lives of others. Because baptized, where we are faithful in the little unrighteous mammon in this life, we will be faithful with much more true eternal mammon in the life to come. Where in this life we have been faithful in what the Lord of the church has given us, in the life to come, we will be given our own in eternity. May we serve God alone in our baptism, and in this, love our neighbor with zeal and shrewdness. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
this company of the apostles. Mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, 
have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Let your merciful ear, O Lord, be open to the prayer of your humble servants, and that they may obtain their petitions, make them to ask such things as shall please you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time.
Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishment, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise Him and magnify Him forever. We give thanks unto Thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, Thy dear Son, that Thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech Thee to preserve and keep us, this day also, from all sin and evil, and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please Thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls, and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
thank you for joining us for this week's Matins podcast. As you have your prayer and devotions at home, please feel free to join us also next week as we go to celebrate the 10th Sunday after Trinity, where we will hear our Lord teach the parable of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10. On the hymnody on today's podcast, the first one comes from the musicians of Christ the King. All the other hymns come from smallchurchmusic.com.